Shipping is too small. The inefficiency of shipping's fragmented approach to ownership and operations has been holding back innovation and operational efficiency for years. That much is obvious. But for all of the promise of the inevitable force of consolidation, it hasn't happened yet, not in a meaningful way. But Merce Tankers wants to change that. Having completed a, a pretty radical series of asset sales and spin-offs, the simplified, restructured Merce Tankers wants to achieve what others have only talked about, efficiency and optimization of the tanker sector through scaled operations that applies digital tools to not only deliver better financial results, but also take a long step forward towards decarbonization. Now, I know that sounds idealistic, but over a series of conversations, first with Merce Tanker's chief executive, Christian Ingerslev, in London this week, and earlier in New York with Chief Commercial Officer Eva Birgit Brisgard, I found the arguments to be compelling, certainly compelling enough to warrant putting out a brief midweek edition of the podcast to accompany an interview which has been published on loislist.com. Please do check that out. The usual Friday edition of the podcast will still be coming out, so don't worry. But I hope this midweek interruption offers you some food for thought. So I started by asking Christian Ingerslev to explain what he's trying to do with this new streamlined iteration of Merce Tankers. I fundamentally believe in scale. Yes. And um, to sort of put your money where your mouth is, it's also one of the reasons why we departed ways with our technical management business, because even though we had 80 vessels under management, we're too small. Mm. The average tanker owner owns about four ships. And I would just say, if you need to optimize a system, if you want to ensure that you get market earnings, then having four ships is a bit of a random walk. Uh, you don't get scale. An MR voyage lasts 28 days, which means that essentially, you're not getting market earnings, you are getting 12 distinct pricing days over the course of a year. And the volatility in the tanker market is immense. So that's a risk you are essentially unable to manage. And then it's super inefficient to be small, both for the customers, because they need to be in contact with hundreds of different counterparts, but also from an optimization of the system, the utilization of the vessel, the access to a big agency agreement, to scale benefits, investment into digital tools to support your commercial decisions. It's just... I fundamentally believe that what you want to do in this industry is to be part of something bigger that can be optimized. Now, I still believe that owning assets can be a family thing, can be a small company thing, because they're big investments. And, and owning those assets and deciding when to buy and when to sell is still a very, very critical part of making money. But while the vessels are in your ownership, it's all about how do you optimize and get market earnings. Uh, and that's where I think large-scale businesses will do better for the customers, for the partners, and for the footprint of, of emissions. Of course, people have been talking about consolidation for years with little effect. So why does Christian think this is different this time? So I think that there's, a, there's two signals we have seen in the market that makes me quite hopeful. Mm -hmm. 
because you are right, it's something that's been talked about, but is it happening? If you go back 10 years and look at technical management, people held on to it. We held on to it. Because it's kind of core. Most tankers have done it since 1928. And, and there's sort of this belief that you know, everybody feels that they do better or that, uh, that the customers really value what you are doing. But we've seen the, the technical management companies build up an immense strength, also supported by the SIA system, that has sort of made it very clear what good quality is and what standards to live after. So you've li really lifted the bar and proven that they can do something exceptional. Mm. And that's why you see more and more people moving in that direction because they see the benefit. So one aspect for me is if the logic is there for technical management and we've seen it move in that direction, the next logical place is commercial management. The second element is just look back three years and see how many vessels were in commercial management versus how many are today, just in product tankers. And without mentioning names, I think it's fair to say that the uh, global footprint of Danish commercial managers has grown significantly since 2019. So people understand. Now, does the entire industry understand? No. Uh, do everyone agree? No. Do we lack the transparency of the industry to actually prove that it's true? Because there is no, uh, there is no transparency. So everybody will claim that they're doing better. Everybody think that they are delivering a better result. But it comes back to risk. It comes back fundamentally to say, when you're investing in an asset, it's because you like the fundamentals of the market. So what your ultimate goal as an investor must be is that you want to get at least market earnings. Of course you want to do better, but I can just tell you, if you have four ships, it's going to be random whether you get market earnings. And it's a risk that you can't manage. So why are you even trying? And that's a storyline that I need to persuade and my competitors need to persuade a broader industry. And that requires that I spend time on panels like this. It requires I speak to people like you and that the story gets out that this is not about lining our pockets. It's really about what's rational for the investor, what's good for the customers, and what's good for the environment. Mm -hmm. That's what I sort of I fundamentally believe. But it's, you know, it, if it was easier, then I wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, it, it, it is hard. Convincing ship owners to change is, of course, traditionally not the easiest of sales pitches. So how are those conversations going? Because I, I still go and meet owners and they're, you know, I sit here and I meet people and they're like, no, no, but our department is really good. Why can't they say that? Because there's zero transparency. And they don't look, so if somebody, if we look at today's market and we make 40,000 and somebody make 50, mm. they'll say, oh, we're much better than you. But if you go down and look at the numbers, I can also say you took an exorbitant amount of risk in order to make $10,000 extra. And you might have made $20,000 less but you were super lucky and you cannot replicate that with a flip of a coin. It's pure luck based on nothing, but you will claim that it's you. And that is why, because of lack of transparency, whenever something is good, it's me, and whenever something is bad, it's the market. 
And you see that again and again and again. And you need to get past that. You need to be able to speak to people's rational belief. You need to ensure that your pool is transparent, that people don't think that you're trying to cheat them, that they can trust you, that you say what you want to do and actually do it. And that you're willing to to deliver them something that they can't do themselves. Now, this is where decarbonization becomes so important. Mm. Because I can do something with 170 ships. I have insight. I can optimize a way they can't do. So one of the things that we show is we can tell you that if your ship joins our pool, how much more efficiently can we run your ship just by being utilizing the engine and in the trade panels that are better. The bigger picture here is that Merce Tankers is trying to change the way the industry thinks about commercial management at a point where the average ship owner is struggling. Whether they like to admit that or not, shipping is becoming increasingly complex as a business. For even mid-sized players, many of the smaller ones are really struggling. When I was in New York recently at the Global Maritime Forum, I sat down with Eva Birgit Bisgard to talk about why focusing on optimization of individual vessels requires a scaled approach across a much bigger fleet, and why complexities of shipping requires a much more collaborative approach across the industry. No, I, th- I think it is. I, I think it is changing as well, and and I also think that I also think that there is really, you know, an increased ask for being able to come together in groups. So even mm. though we are sort of, you know, within shipping, well renowned for actually trying to look after our own little cake, mm. I think now being able to see, you know, what the, the the greater piece or the greater pie of the market can actually do if we do it together is actually coming into play. And I, I think that is why we also actually do believe that there is going to be this request for pooling because it is a consolidation and, and it definitely is taking out the complexities and also making sure that you don't only have these discussions with yourself. You are suddenly now able to actually discuss how the complexities you know, is actually going with other ship owners um, and you're also able that way through, like, for example, the way that we've done it on, on the um, Sea Cargo Charter. Mm. We were actually able to give a whole lot of ship owners an actual voice by the table where we do discuss yeah. how it should look. And, and I think that is important as well because, others, we are back to what you say again. We're right now sitting down at the Global Maritime Conference. We've chosen to be here ourselves. Mm. And, and there are many people that are not present down there. How do we make sure that people are present and they do have a voice? Mm. Um, because a lot of this is also is not going to be driven. A lot, of, a lot of the requests for retrofits, making sure you have better engines, making sure you do your trials and biofuels or whatever it is, is mm. being put on the owners and, and really, what we actually need to see is the cargo parties taking, you know, greater responsibility for, for how they work in the chain. So being able to see who can actually push for what, mm. I, I think, is what is needed. Um, Do you think things like CII and potentially the European trading scheme when it comes in are going to force those conversations to be different between the charterers and the owners? Um I, the the ETS will, hmm. um, so I think that that is you know I, I think it, it's the way to go. Um, 
on EXI and CII, which actually do bond together more than one would expect, but they definitely do, mm. because that is where you get the power limitations in. Um, I, I'm not sure that we will see that drive necessarily enough mm. unless we actually get a price on carbon or a price right. on emissions. Even post-2026, I mean, we know the trajectory from here to 26, but it's a progressive piece of regulation that's going to yeah. get tighter as that news mm. gets tighter around the owner. Presumably something has to give. There's a tipping point there that you know the, the owners and the charters need to think about things a little bit more efficiently. Yeah. And an even more interesting question, what do we actually believe is actually going to happen after 26? Because we have the aging fleet within tankers. So, yes. So I think, I mean, if we just take a hard look at what is going on within tankers, we don't have any methanol ships within tankers. We, mm. It is not where you see the new fancy vessels coming out, is it? So, I mean, what is it that we will actually have in 2026? And I think that can also be sort of discouraging at the moment, you know, looking at it from an emission perspective, is actually that nothing really has to happen before 2026. Mm. And if we want to secure that we're actually reaching 1.5 trajectory, mm. we have to act now. Yes. And I think that is an issue. I mean, this is a good market, but, you know, I don't think anyone uh, is going to suggest that tankers are anything less than quite volatile at the moment. I mean, it, yes. you know, you've, you've had, as you say, the extremes of the market, mm -hmm. uh, the willingness to invest in, in, in new tonnage amid so much uncertainty presumably is not there at the moment. That points to retrofits, it points to you know, operational measures. I mean, is there yes. enough juice in that process from here to 26 to do anything significant or are you just edging along to hit the minimum requirements until there is more clarity in the market? It's a, it's, a, it's a really good question. So are we going to see new tanker vessels with new engines? And I think once the order book starts opening up again from the shipyards... Um, because you can't get a slot now until... No, exactly. You can't get... You, if, you, if you get... Any, we won't see new ships until 25 anyway. Right, okay. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's sort of far out. And I mm. think that is what I mean when I say it's discouraging. It's like CII impacting, yeah, by 26 new vessels out 25 it's so we have to do whatever we can right now mm. with what we have and that is basically operational optimization of mm. each and every voyage and it is retrofits onto the existing fleet um, and that is also where you know one of the things where geopolitics actually comes into the picture is like the more uncertainty the more sanctions and the more shadow fleets we might have around the world mm. the less of the impact of the ones that are actually trying to secure that we can get emission reductions down by actually optimizing on the voyages mm -hmm. uh, and securing the CI and, and that is also one of the parameters that we don't discuss all that much right now <laughs>